0: Ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Other Identity. As always, I am one of your hosts, The Great Landis, and along with me, my cohort and sometimes nemesis, Professor Awesome. That, that, that's what we decided on last time, right, Professor Awesome?
1: Dun, da, da, da. Class is in session <laughs> with Professor Awesome and. Kid Robbie. Uh, yeah, sometime nemesis, sometime rival, but at the end of the day, we're like hold Magneto on. and Professor X. We are working towards the on, same dream on. of nerd hold on. harmony.
0: Hold on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Did you just have a catchphrase? Is class in session? Is that your catchphrase? I'm workshopping it. Oh, okay, keep workshopping it. Man. Yeah, let me know, man. Let, <laughs> let me know.
1: Can we put that on some t-shirts? Can we put that on uh, mugs? Uh, Weird Beard? Is he in charge of that? I just assume he's in charge of
0: everything. Uh. <laughs> he's, he's in charge of a lot of stuff for sure. Uh, But anyway, yes, welcome in, guys. Thanks so much. We appreciate you guys uh, downloading and uh, listening along with us. Um, Trying out some different stuff here today on the show. Uh, You know, we're going to be going through uh, a little bit of news that I've been sort of, like, cataloging in my news bag. Or the, I still don't know what to call it, the news bag, the news uh, desk, something or other. We're going to go through a few of those things, uh, you know, see what me and Ben think on some of the stuff that's been happening around the industry. Uh, We're also going to talk about what we've been reading recently, and then... We have a very special guest coming on at the uh, at the end of today's episode. He's actually my favorite guest that has ever been on this show, both this season and last season. So,
1: is that was that a shot at me? Another former guest who was on the show? No, because you are a
0: host now. See, right. it's
1: different. but I can still be your favorite guest from the past as well.
0: We'll we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it sometime. Let's yeah, talk about it all we'll, uh, we'll think about it. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, like I said, I have a, I have a news bag here. at The yeah. news desk. We'll, stop we'll saying we'll find new- some cool- please.
1: Stop saying news bag. I don't <laughs> like I don't like the phrase news bag. It sounds like you should be wearing one of those like newsies hats from the 1940s. It's just it's it's an uncomfortable. Hey, welcome video. to the other
0: identity. Today we're gonna go through the, some of the top news coming in from the
1: interwebs. Get your news here. Yeah, news <laughs> on the other identity.
0: Alright, so starting off here, um, Green Lantern is apparently going to be having a show on HBO Max, and uh, it's going to be an origin story centered around, from, from the little bit that we've heard so far, because it, it is definitely still rumors right now, but apparently it's not going to be centered on any one Lantern, but I think it's going to be centered on sort of the core, the Lantern core as a whole. So my question to you, Ben, especially because uh, uh, you're a big fan of the CW shows, uh-huh. right? Yeah. What do you think of HBO taking a stab at, uh, at the superhero genre?
1: I love it because the cool thing about what DC does, I think, with their TV shows, when I think of Marvel and I think of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the TV universe, uh, something I think they've always tried to do is make everything connect. What I like about DC and what I've always liked about DC is they can do a lot of different things at the same time. Um, it's the way they'll, you know, in the, in the heyday of DC publishing when they had, Vertigo, Wildstorm, all this different stuff going on, they can take multiple different paths. With this, I don't think there's a problem having the CW, kind of the more network shows, but then doing prestige projects like Green Lantern, and I think Green Lantern's a perfect fit for HBO. I love the idea of it being sort of, what I'm hoping is an anthology covering a bunch of different Green Lantern, because that's my favorite thing about Green Lantern in general, that they're so many different stories i think of some of the classic alan moore stories from the 80s and i think setting it on hbo gives it a chance to be a little more mature probably the effects are going to be a little bit better so i definitely have no problem with this and i'm looking forward to seeing what they come up with
0: yeah i personally want would like more fingers to get into the pie because i want to get to a point where warner brothers and marvel they both start to realize that in the comics you have the multiverse you have multiple versions of so many different heroes you can do that, right? Uh, I, I I always go back to in the CW. They took Deadeye out when Suicide Squad Deadshot. came out, in Will Smith. Sorry, yeah, Deadshot, Dead Eye, uh, Deadshot,
1: Deathstroke, <laughs> Dead Guy, whatever.
0: Yeah, uh, when Will Smith was playing it because they didn't want there to be any like confusion with the brand. But when it comes to superheroes, there have been and there should be multiple versions of them. So I would love to start to see a multiverse start to open up on HBO if this does well, similar to what you have on the CW side, because you're right, with better effects, a better budget, and just more money behind it, I would love to see what they could do with it, because it could be, you know, the, the the DC universe that I've always wanted, but the CW has never quite given to me.
1: So if you only get one Earthed Green Lantern on this show, like imagine it's centered around a bunch of different stuff, you can get a different story of your Avincers, your Sinestros, your Orishias every other week, who do you want for your Earth Green Lantern?
0: I know what the correct answer is, but I'm not going to give it because I've always I've always been a big fan of Hal Jordan. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: Hal Jordan, my least favorite Green Lantern. <laughs> what a surprise! Wait, on, We're hold on, on opposite hold sides. On. You like Guy Gardner better than Hal Jordan? Uh, Guy Gardner is definitely better than Hal Jordan, oh my but gosh. I would all right, argue. That moving all Look, moving Hal Jordan, on. Go ahead. We'll talk about this later.
0: Spider-Man three in the Marvel Cinematic Universe with Tom Holland could include. Daredevil. Uh, As we know at the end of uh, Far From Home um, Spider-Man's identity was revealed to the world so he's going to be in a little bit of hot water here and he's probably going to need some legal counsel and I mean Daredevil seems like a great fit and around this time Marvel will have Fully the rights back from or, or I mean they have the rights obviously but uh, all of the legal mumbo jumbo with Netflix should be over by that point and uh, they'll be able to use him. they said that they do want to keep using Charlie Cox and put him on the silver screen but I think actually and let me know what you think about this which one you would prefer I think that with her upcoming Disney Plus series bringing in uh, Jennifer Walters in just her human form before she's had a chance to go She-Hulk to be his attorney would be the better bet here
1: So I'm of two minds here. I actually really kind of see your point. I think She-Hulk might be a better fit just because I don't think... I I just think she fits into the Spider-Man universe better. That might sound weird because in the comics Spider-Man and Daredevil have always been buddies and they have a pretty cool dynamic. But I do think if you bring Daredevil into a Spider-Man movie, it very quickly becomes a Spider-Man and Daredevil movie, and I think you want Spider-Man to remain the star. With She-Hulk, historically, she's always been... She's a great character. I love She-Hulk, but I think you're right on in the sense that she can supplement the story more. She can come in as kind of a supporting player, uh, establish that universe, and that's not to say you can't use Daredevil later, and I love... Charlie Cox. Uh, he's a fantastic actor. So I'd love to see him in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But I think, yeah, I think I'd like to see maybe She-Hulk uh, playing a role in this movie. And then let's get a Daredevil movie down the line. And let's, uh, to the multiverse point, let's 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 get Van Aplex signed up. And let's get all the best Daredevils <laughs> oh, no. on screen at once.
0: Oh, stop it. All right. Owen Wilson has been cast in the Disney Plus series Loki in what is being described as a starring role who who could owen wilson possibly be playing in the mcu
1: dude i have no clue i like owen wilson he's funny but some of the stuff that's been rumored for loki whether it's the fact that supposedly King the conqueror is supposed to be on loki i I've certainly heard. cannot mm-hmm. see owen wilson as King the conqueror oh please no <laughs> any of the asgardian characters whether it's balder or whoever i don't get that i mean look he's got a let's let's be realistic owen wilson has to play a comedy character we're not gonna buy him as a serious heavy of any sort so i don't know if it was you or someone else who said this but something about uh the time variance authority is definitely gonna be involved in loki Mm -hmm. i would love to see him as maybe loki's foil in the tva um i think there could be some really fun stuff for hiddleston and owen wilson to play off of each other but for god's sakes don't try to don't try to prove that you can make owen wilson a serious actor marvel please back off of that uh that hubris.
0: Yep. So uh, Scott Derrickson uh, left the Doctor Strange 2 project due to creative differences. He is still staying on, I believe, as an executive producer. But uh, Sam Raimi, next, let me double check here whether it's just rumored or if this is actually currently in talks. Last we heard, Sam Raimi currently in talks to be the new director for Doctor Strange 2, the multiverse of madness.
1: Love this. Love everything about it. Uh, Sam Raimi's awesome. He did a fantastic job with Spider-Man, obviously um he's a really creative smart guy and this is also right in his wheelhouse because think of the other stuff Sam Raimi's done whether we're talking Mm -hmm. about Darkman, Army of Darkness, other movies that probably have dark in them um (laughs) he's just been good at kind of that like quirky horror stuff and they've said they want to make Doctor Strange more of a like comedy horror film and who's better at doing that and Sam Raimi. Also, he has a great track record with uh, Steve co Creations.
0: That's right. No, I'm definitely really looking forward to it. I think that that uh, it, you hate to see directors having to step away or, or feeling the need to step away from of, of films for a variety of reasons. But this is, I think, definitely a case where, well, I'm sad that, that Derrickson isn't coming back to do the second one. I don't know that they could have chose anyone better than Sam Raimi if he ends up, you know, taking the job. Christian Bale, as we know, has been in talks with uh, Thor 4 to play a character of some sort. And there are now rumors that he is set to play an otherworldly alien villain. Someone uh, apparently has gotten a look at the actual contract itself. And uh, that's what we know, that he is going to be the big bad and he will be otherworldly in some, some form. Which means, I think, Beta Ray Bill probably out of the picture. What are your guesses from this point?
1: Thank goodness, Bettery Bill is out of the picture because like, uh, I did not want to see him playing Bettery Bill. No offense to Bettery Bill. Uh, we've talked a lot about this on Twitter. By the way, follow us at Ben J Morse or Robbie Landis CP. Or hey, Robbie we're not- underscore
0: oh. Landis. Underscore?
1: Sorry, I'm trying to get that other Robbie Landis a bunch of followers. But um, <laughs> yeah, we've discussed this. We are. I-, I know you and I are both super excited about the prospect of Christian Bale in the next Thor movie. I'm mm-hmm. a supporter of this because I said from the start, I want to see him play the villain. Um, I don't want to see him playing second fiddle hero to Thor. I want to see him go head-to-head with Chris Hemsworth, with Natalie Portman. I want to see him play a heavy. My dream here, if he's not going to play, I, you know that early on I said Dario Agger, the Minotaur, would be a great uh-huh. casting because uh, he's essentially Patrick Bateman. But... I am all in for seeing him as Gore the God Butcher. Have you checked out Jason Aaron's Thor uh, run yet? He
0: is the God of God Butchers. One, one step up. you got to <laughs> give him his, uh, you know, the, the respect that he's due. And I have not yet. I do have a few Thors on my list, but I haven't actually checked it out just yet. Get
1: on that. It's phenomenal. Jason Aaron Thor is some of the best comics from the last ten years. And Gore the God of God Butchers is one of the best original villain creations in quite some time. And Christian Bale, I mean, come on, he would kill it.
0: Yeah, no, I think you're definitely right about that. I think that Marvel has started to realize the value in in really good and and on some scale too, in a way, relatable Villains, you know, from Killmonger and Black Panther to uh, Thanos in uh, uh, Endgame, and honestly, even Vulture in in Mysterio in in both the Spider Mans have been really, really good. And obviously, you know, you you get that when you bring in these high caliber actors as well. So I'm really looking forward to what they uh, possibly have planned for us. Finally, here, Miss Marvel, the uh, Disney Plus TV show that they have coming out, will reintroduce the humans to the MCU. I'm a little split on this myself. Obviously, the, the the Inhumans show was terrible and should be erased from everyone's memory, but I actually thought that the way that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. had handled the introduction of the Inhumans was actually pretty good.
1: Thoughts? I like the Inhumans on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, like you, I will say the less said about the TV show, the better. The better. But, yeah, yeah. um, Inhumans is a funny concept. Um, it's always been Marvel's kind of their backup to Mutants. Um, Mm -hmm. So I feel like it doesn't always get the love it should. Uh, The thing about Inhumans that I've always loved, it's it's an original Stan Lee, Jack Kirby creation. It has awesome visuals, very inventive powers. And like you, I thought they did a pretty good job of capturing the spirit of the Inhumans on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So my hope is, if they're going to reintroduce the world of Inhumans, don't shy away from using what worked from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. There's no Mm -hmm. reason you can't reinvent some elements, but I don't think they need to... And I know, you know, this is getting inside baseball and all the stuff with who's in charge of Marvel TV, who's in charge of Marvel films, and what they want to keep and throw out. But I agree with you. I think that was one of the, uh, that was one of my, my more preferred elements of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So I would hate to see them lose all of that completely.
0: All right. Well, that's going to be it for the news box. Ugh. Stick with us, guys. Uh, Come up here. We're going to be talking about what we are currently reading and why you should also be reading it. We'll be back.
1: Hey, I'm Rachel. And I'm Michaela, And we are from the Theme Park and Rec podcast. So if you visit the
0: parks often or maybe you're planning a trip to any of the Central Florida theme parks, we even talk about Disneyland too, you definitely want to check out our podcast because we have tips, we have secrets, and we give you options on how to really maximize your time at the parks. Download and subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts you Thank you for listening to the other identity, ladies and gentlemen. We really appreciate you uh, downloading and sticking along here with us. We just got going, uh, done going through a bunch of news headlines. The jury's out on what we're going to call it. Apparently, still uh, the news desk, news bag, the mailbox, something I don't know. A but mailbox, now,
1: what, where, ba- where
0: are you going with this? <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying here. Oh, okay. God. You know, say what you will about Joe. He was sometimes a little bit supportive of me in most cases. We don't
1: talk about Joe until the end of the show. You are breaking format.
0: My bad, my bad. Oh, format. Now we're sticking to a format. Well, this segment's format is, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about what we're reading right now. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and let you start us off, Ben.
1: Sure thing, man. I want to talk about the Superman titles, specifically the Superman titles, Superman in action comics, being written by Brian Michael Bendis. Now, of course, anyone familiar with, longtime Bendis history knows that for years he was a mainstay of the Marvel Universe writing books like Ultimate Spider-Man, Daredevil, New Avengers, Invincible Iron Man, all-new X-Men, and he did a tremendous job. Um, I would argue that Bendis, since coming over to DC a couple years ago, has been reinvigorated and we are getting peak creativity from Michael Bendis. Superman has always been a challenging character. He's very powerful And he's kind of from a bygone era. He was successful years and years ago because he was the atypical idea of the superhero, but I think some creators have struggled with Superman, making him more human. I think Bendis has leaned into what was established by the creators who came before him on the Rebirth Initiative, and that's the idea of making Superman kind of a family man. Uh, Mm -hmm. He's a husband, he's a father. And he's the coolest husband and father you're ever going to make. So I love the human elements of Bendis' Superman. The art by the likes of Ivan Rice, John Romita Jr. is peak level stuff. And recently, Superman revealed his secret identity. He uh, told the world that he is Clark Kent. And I think it has been so much... It reminds me of when Bendis did the same thing in Daredevil. And it's been a boon to the series so far. There's a wonderful scene in a recent issue of Superman where he revealed the identity. It's a wordless scene where he takes uh, his coat off and reveals to Perry White that he's both Clark Kent and Superman. And they just silently hug. It was one of the most beautiful scenes I've read in a while. Bendis writes a great Lois Lane. He gets the whole supporting cast. And he's beeping up the villains. I am all in on Bendis Superman.
0: Uh, I have to say, you know, uh, Superman is one of the the heroes that I'm really easy to criticize. You know, the whole he has all these powers and basically one weakness that isn't even of Earth, but he always manages, you know, to, to nearly die. But uh, you're right. Back in Rebirth, Superman was actually one of the ones that I read the most of. And it wasn't until, I guess, now that I kind of really understood why. But when you lead more into, like, him, the, the, the human side of him and, and what makes him relatable, especially with the kid in the family... That was infinitely more entertaining entertaining than anything I've ever read with him in it before.
1: Yeah, I think a misstep for the new 52 was trying to make Superman cool and young and hip and a little dark. I hate it when they do that with Superman. Superman's not Batman. Superman's not Iron Man. He is the guy we look up to. The guy we probably can't be because he's so good, but that's okay because we like that he's out there. And when they can humanize him a little bit, great, but I don't need to see badass Superman. I'd rather see Superman... Uh, He's my friend's dad that I wish was my dad because he's so
0: freaking cool. Yeah. Well, you know, my plan was to come on here and talk about J.J. Abrams and Sons uh, Spider-Man that's been uh, going on. Uh, Three issues are out. We still have two more to go. And I should have had the fourth one in my hand right now and ready to go. Technically, we should have had the fourth and the fifth already in our hands back in January. But they have been slowly and steadily getting pushed back further and further and further. And just this week it was announced that Spider-Man number four will be pushed back till April.
1: I'm shocked that a comic book by a big non-comic book name is being pushed back. Uh, Okay, all right.
0: All right, I, I have a question for you. You should be able to answer this for me because I would have thought, especially when you have limited runs like this, that everything is planned out and written and set to go, and then you can just release them when you're ready to release them. Do they really just, like, write the first issue, put it out, then go and write the second issue, put it out?
1: I mean, you can do it both ways. I think there's some merit to getting everything in the can and then releasing. But what you also understand is the production of a comic is pretty intense. So they want to announce this stuff and then get some product out to you, the public, mm-hmm. as quickly as they can. So if they announce J.J. Abrams is writing Spider-Man, you don't want to then wait another year while he writes all six issues on his schedule. What you do is you you get that first issue out and you kind of hope that the guy's going to follow up. But someone oh. who's not on that... Comic book grind—they can get distracted. They got to go make their Star Wars movies, and uh, <laughs> things get things get pushed back. So, yeah. in a perfect world, yeah, he should have had all six issues in the can, and then they release them. But. The world we live in is not perfect, Roddy.
0: Well, to try and sate my appetite, I have been reading another Spider-Man. Uh, started back in 2018 with uh, Back to Basics. Uh, Spider-Man by Nick Spencer. Art by Humberto Re- uh, Ramos. Ramos? I'm sorry Ramos. If I'm pronouncing that wrong. There you go. Yes. Uh, I'm really enjoying this. Uh, um, I, I, I think what drew me into it originally is the fact that uh, 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 the art style is actually kind of very similar to a lot of what I enjoyed about uh, Ultimate Spider-Man. And the, the writing, this is a comic that that I feel like every other page I'm bringing Joe over, you know, in the office to talk to him about it and, and like, point out something. And, like, Natal over here and be like, comics are dumb. And this is a comic that isn't afraid to, like, make fun of itself. It doesn't take itself super seriously, you know. And in, in one issue, Boomerang takes him because, he you know, he realizes he's to take pictures of Spider-Man. He's a big Spider-Man expert. So he takes him to the bar with no name where the villains are having a Spider-Man trivia night so that they can win Spider-Man trivia. Like, it's... Uh, like, on paper, it seems like it would be dumb, but on paper, it's actually very entertaining and really, really funny, and uh, I'm really, really enjoying it, and I think I think they're up to, like, issue 60 or 70-something, so I have a lot to go to finally get caught up, but I'm really enjoying it, and then the other one that I recently picked up, uh, because of the badass uh, cover that I saw on Twitter, thanks to uh, Kelly Thompson, is uh captain marvel uh i I think it's a fallen avenger i think is is what the 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 story arc is right now and i'm only five issues in but dang i am enjoying how badass carol comes across on the pages just like she did in the movie uh super super hyped to get caught up on that as
1: well i uh i fully endorse both of these kelly thompson and nick spencer are two of my favorite writers i also want to throw some love to uh Ryan Otley, who's the other artist on Amazing Spider-Man. I know him and Humberto Ramos have been switching off. They're both ah, tremendous. Okay. Um, I love the Spider-Man back-to-basics approach. Uh, I love the Dan Slot Spider-Man, but getting back to kind of what makes Peter Parker tick is fantastic. And then Kelly Thompson is just a delight. Uh, she's a wonderful person, but she's also just an insanely talented creator. I would recommend... Uh, on marvel unlimited check out some of her other stuff whether it's mr and mrs x uh, west coast avengers all the stuff she's been working on her captain marvel is great oh she's gonna oh, be that's 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 the rogan gambit one isn't yeah, it yeah yeah oh okay and well that's going on my list she's now. she's writing deadpool currently as well and she's also going to be writing black widow when that book debuts so a lot of cool stuff coming from kelly thompson
0: all right these are all things that you should all definitely be checking out as well endorsed by myself and Ben Morris. Stay tuned, guys. We're going to be back here with the bougie Bahamut, Norris Howard himself, and we're going to talk with him a little bit about some uh, some black content creators in the comic space for Black History Month.
2: Students are playing more video games than ever, and that's not a bad thing anymore. With Checkpoint XP on campus, you can peek into the world of college esports and gaming. We talk to personalities in the space like Phasics, who retired from the Overwatch League to join a college team. Or thought leaders like James O'Hagan of the Academy of Esports, who's leading the charge on blending education and video games. It's not all black holes and floss dances. Games can lead to college scholarships. And we can tell you where on Checkpoint XP on campus.
0: Thank you guys for joining us for The Other Identity and sticking with us this far. If you have, we have quite the treat for you, returning once more the bougie Bahamut himself. That's right. Norris Howard is here with you. You know, I was just telling Ben a little bit early in the show that you are actually my favorite guest that we've ever had on the other Identity season really? 1 and 2. Well, because Ben's a, he's a host now.
1: Yeah, it that's was hurtful. True. It so, was a personal attack. Norris, <laughs> <laughs> don't get too excited. It's not to boost you up. He's trying to hurt me. That's what he does all the time.
2: I, I mean, but, you know, two bears, one stone. I'm That's waiting. right. That's
0: right. And uh, Norris, you, of course, are joining us uh, because uh, February is almost up, and we wanted a chance to talk about black history here on The Other Identity. That's right. So, uh, you know, you're obviously big into comics as well. Uh, when Hawkspox came out, you basically forced everyone here to Damn read it. Right. And
2: uh, everyone is all the better for it. No, truly, truly. And, and it's funny that you say that because segue into X-Men, which I think is really, to me, a part of the launching pad of talking about black history and comic books as it, you know, relates to one another because obviously everybody knows sort of the whole MLK-Malcolm X dichotomy that takes place uh, between Xavier and uh, Magneto and I think Hox was important to me as a black reader because they've collaborated before right you know uh, Xavier and Magneto but never to this degree and in a way it was almost like me seeing what it would be like should you know like African Americans or the black you know the African diaspora were to come together and have like this massive like you know utopia if you will you know there's Wakanda and everything but like that was the first time in X-Men that I was just like oh my god this is so cool and it could actually happen and so I think to black comic readers X-Men X will always have sort of a special place specifically yeah, because of that.
1: That's really interesting Aaron Norris, because I've talked about it on the show before. Uh, growing up as a young Jewish white kid, um, I watched X-Men, the animated series, and I also watched and read the, the Malcolm X autobiography when I was very young. And mm-hmm. to me, X-Men was that bridge to learning about there are people who are different than me and learning about the idea of tolerance, oppression, all of these different themes. So it makes sense that X-Men is a big one, I wanted to dive into your origin a little bit. Where mm-hmm. did you start reading comics? And also, when did you first become aware there were characters who looked like you and there were creators who you could relate to?
2: Uh, definitely it was through my dad. So, my dad was heavy in the comic books when he was a kid. And he would tell me about all the comics that he owned. He actually owned a copy of Spider-Man One, <gasps> and it got lost. I was and it say, got de- past tense. It got, yeah. no. uh, it got destroyed in a oh, flood. It got destroyed in a flood. But he'd been heavy in the comic books for as long as I can remember. He obviously like he doesn't read as many as he used to. I tried to get him back into it with a title here, title there, but um, you know he's just he's full blown dad mode now um but he would always tell me about like reading thor and black panther and green lantern and and all these really cool heroes and so every now and then he would like go to a comic book store back when those were like everywhere you know the tail end of the 80s where you actually had comic book stores everywhere he would go and pick me up some stuff and and give me a comic book and i remember reading it was a it was a green lantern book <coughs> it, it wasn't necessarily because it was like you know a, a black hero or anything he just liked green lantern and that was the first comic book he, he ever gave me and it kind of introduced me to it but i didn't it didn't really take hold until later in life like i really didn't start getting into comic books until probably I want to say the late 90s early 2000s.
0: What what was the comic then that like like the first comic that really sort of like grabbed you and sort of oh, taught X- you the, what the medium the, was the, about?
2: The X-Men: Fatal Attractions arc. <laughs> yeah,
0: we like
1: that.
2: <laughs> Flat out. I mean cuz here here's two things. One, that was the art that one of my favorite video games ever of all time is based off of X-Men Children of the Atom is based off the Fatal Attractions arc. And so Uh, You had that, and then obviously you had Jim Lee's art, of which when you think about Wolverine nine times out of ten, you think about how Jim Lee drew Wolverine You nine times out of ten. For people our age, you think of how Jim Lee drew them because they were the basis of how those characters were represented for the better part of almost 20 years. So um, that's what really got me into it. But to your second question, uh, Ben... When I really started learning about characters that that looked like me, it was, you know, a lot through the ancillary stuff, you know, seeing like, oh, wow, you know, there's a Black Green Lantern. What? I I didn't know about that. Um, And through that, I started reading more and understanding more about um, Black heroes. But I didn't really learn a lot about the, you know, Black writers or artists until really fairly recently.
0: The same for me as well. Uh, uh, usually, the artists or or or, or the writers are kind of like the afterthought to it. And I'm trying to be a lot better about it. You know, not just knowing their names. But, you know, trying to know a little bit about them as well. Because uh, so especially being in the space now, you know, being able to give credit for work is obviously you know uh, uh,
2: so important. Exactly. You know? And I mean, like you have Ta-Nehisi Coates in, in his arc of, of Black Panther right now, which is really cool. But I I, I kind of I know his writing elsewhere. And so I know how dense it could be. And I don't necessarily like my comic books to be that dense. And so I, I have the first trade paperback, and I think that's it. Because it was kind of, it, it, it didn't really grab me like I wanted it to. So it, it really, it kind of disappointed me in that sense. But at the same time, I wanted to make sure I went out and supported them because it was the first time that somebody had allowed a writer, a black writer of his stature, to take a crack at comic books. So I thought it was I thought it was uh, revolutionary in that sense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And for me, it kind of goes back to Black Panther's obviously been a formative character for a lot of creators. And I think about Christopher Priest's run on Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the best runs of all time. Christopher Priest, brilliant creator, happens to be black, but brilliant creator regardless. But wrote some really important stuff about the experience. I also think a lot about the late Dwayne McDuffie. Uh, who was very influential in terms of starting Milestone Media back in the 90s and who also was responsible for a lot of the DC animated universe. Um, But yeah, I think that the stuff Ta-Nehisi Coates is doing right now, I was going to ask you, Norris, have you read his Captain America?
2: I haven't. That's actually next on my list. I wanted to make sure that I got up to speed on everything going on with Dawn of X. And then I said, you know what? I got to read Captain America next. So that is actually really 100% next on my list, and then I'll be uh, diving into a couple other stuff, uh, a couple other things after that.
1: I highly recommend Ta-Nehisi Coates' Captain America. It's some of the best Captain America I've read in a while. He really gets the character and kind of his style you were talking about. I agree that some of the Black Panther writing he's done, it's been good, but it is very dense. Uh, Captain America feels more like him taking his background and his incredible knowledge of kind of social issues, but distilling it down to a little bit more of a pure superhero comic, which I think you would really dig based on the stuff I know you like.
2: Well, and the thing is, is is that's what I kind of what want from a black writer of a comic book, right? Especially with something like Captain America, America, because always tell people you can't, you know, people always talk about, you know, when we think about racism and people all go back to Africa and all the crazy racial stuff that people say about, uh, about black folks. But when you really think about it outside of native Americans, there aren't too many people who are more American than African Americans. Like, They've been here just as long, longer than many people's families and lineages. They fought in every war that America's ever had and haven't just, I don't know, abandoned this whole shit to begin with. You know what I mean? It's like it it is very possible for as a people to just say, you know what? This place rejects us. They don't like us. You know what? We are going to leave and start our own thing somewhere else. Let's not front like people couldn't have done that. But no, there's there's people here. And I think having a black person write Captain America is very powerful and very poignant because I don't think somebody uh, I I, I don't think people can tell America's story better than the African-American experience, to be perfectly honest. So
0: well put. You see, you see, this is why he's my favorite guest because he comes on, he drops ge- or, or, or knowledge gems like this on us. You know, I'm really glad that I came up with the idea of having you on the show. Norris.
2: I, I appreciate it, Robbie. You always, you always make me feel welcome here. He's, he's he's quickly become my
1: favorite guest. I would actually say, in terms of people I've interacted with on the show over the last few weeks, Norris is definitely
2: my favorite. <laughs> oh, see, either way it goes, I'm the best.
0: Well, Norris, we appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule, the bougie Bahamut, to come and sit down and talk with us, man. You are welcome back anytime. And I know you were a little disappointed that we didn't have you on for the X Men episode. It's okay. So I promise the next time we, we talk X Men, <laughs> we will bring you in on it. Guys, that's going to be it for us today. Make sure that you check in with us on social media over at Checkpoint XP on Facebook and Twitter. Make sure you're checking out checkpointxp.com as well. We have all kinds of great content over there, and of course, if you want to interface directly with me and Ben or Norris, you can do that on Twitter at Robbie underscore Landis CP, at Ben J Morris, and at Great Laker Nori N O R I Norris. Thank you once again for joining us today.
2: Thank you very much, man. I can't wait to listen to the episode.
0: It's going to sound great, and this is going to be the best part right here because I know last week when talking about our outros, apparently the rule is we rotate back and forth every week, and uh. I didn't know that last week, but now it's Ben's
1: turn. So, Ben, take us away. We miss you, Joe. <laughs> That's all you got? See you next time, true believers. <laughs> oh my God.